This year is going to be a good year for you, for me, for us. Or it can be the same year, the one that you left. I put a post in on Facebook this week and said, just before you wish somebody happy Christmas, uh, happy New Year, think about what you're asking them and telling them. There are some things in 2015 that you did not manage to fulfill. There were some goals that you never managed to attain. Is that fair to say that? There are some things you didn't hit. That's fine. You got 216 to do it. You've still got 216 to hit your goals. Amen? The moment you put a date on something, sometimes that can appear as if you failed. But it's not. Sometimes... It was an unrealistic goal. Some other times, it was you wasn't prepared. You just put it down. You didn't realize what it really entailed. But I understand that time is a very is all we have. It's the currency we have, so we do need to put time on some things, or nothing ever gets completed. But 2015 is a year, or was a year, where you set yourself or other people set goals around you. But 216, some people didn't make 216. But you have, by the grace of God, you're here. Okay? God's give you the breath, the energy to stay alive. You're here. So make it count. Let's make it count. Uh, your companies will be setting goals. Your companies will be setting targets for you. They'll try and offer you a carrot, but they'll also be a stronger stick rather than a, greater, a bigger carrot. So in some ways, you will be driven more this year by Pharaoh. Pharaoh will drive you this year. Or you can be led by the shepherd. Either way, two want to lead. How many would agree with that? Pharaoh is your employer. He will make you work. He will threaten you this year that if you don't do this, the company will go down or there's someone else to, re- to replace you. He'll put all kinds of pressure on you because he wants his quota of bricks. Because he's promised those bricks to somebody else. Yeah? But you can either live under tyranny or you can live by the shepherd. And the shepherd in Psalm 23, as we prayed this morning, for those who were with us this morning, we prayed he's a good shepherd. He causes us to lay down by still waters. He causes us to walk with it. He gives us a rod. He gives us his staff. And, and we're told that goodness and mercy follow us. So you can either walk by, or you can either walk and live under tyranny, or you can be lived by the shepherd. I know which one sounds better, but I know both of them are a reality. Pharaoh's real. Pharaoh is real. For some people this year, they'll go back to their jobs, and in a couple, I'm not saying necessarily you people, but some people in our nation will go back to jobs, and by the end of January, their job will go. Why? Because Pharaoh said that you're too much of an overhead. And he doesn't make enough profit out of you. For some companies, they'll decide that they'll take the work to India, to Brazil, to Russia, to China, wherever they can get cheaper labor. What he's saying is that you're just an overhead. But when you're the shepherd, you're his son, you're his daughter. You're not an overhead. Because our gods have Our God's got all the resources. Amen?
So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, I'm going to give you two scriptures. The first one is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And the second one is 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And 1 Peter 1, verse 23. And you've read these scriptures over the years. But being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, I'm confident as I come into 2.16, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 1 Peter says, for you have been born again. How many have been born again? Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. So being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. God has put something inside us. God has put, God, God has put materials inside us. He's put substance inside every one of us that he works with. You know, when you go to work, you all need materials. Don't you? You all need materials. In fact, years ago as an apprentice, depending what trade you did, you couldn't just walk onto a job site and pick up another tradesman's tools. That was like the unspoken rule. You just did not do it. You had to go and buy your own tools. And even now, on, you know, the easiest place to lose a drill, a brand new drill, is on a work site. You don't have to put your drill down and someone else will take it. So you were responsible before you can even do your job to buy your own materials. But here, God has supplied to you from day one. He's given you everything you need. Now this day, because it talks about this day, the day called beginning is very, very important. You've heard me talk about the day of beginning before. And how many of you know that there's, for every one of us, there is a day called beginning. The day you become born again is a day called beginning. I'm not talking about the day you got, uh, you, you were born, though that obviously is a, a day called beginning. But there is a birthday in the spirit. So I don't know how many years you've been saved, but every year there's a birthday. That was the day of new beginning. Your life was going nowhere up to the day when Jesus Christ met you. And Jesus Christ gave you his name, gave you his seed, gave you his, his life. That was a day called beginning. Amen. That was a day when your history changed. Your future was given or a brand new future was given to you. Now, I've been saved oof, around about 28 years. Something about there. 28 years. I know. Doesn't look like it, does it? 28 years, something about that. Some of you have been saved even longer than that. Some of you have been saved shorter than that. It really doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Thank God you're saved. Thank God you're saved. But do you know, how many, but you know church, it's not even the issue of just being saved. Because if you do nothing with being saved, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Being saved was just an event for you. It was never a life. It never was a change of life. But the moment this day of beginning takes hold of you and you push towards it, another day opens up. Do you know what it's called? The day of continuation. 
The day of beginning must become a day of continuation inside of you. So many get born again, but there is no day of continuation. Now here's the problem with 2.16. I stood here with, an, with a pastor just, when was it? After Christmas. And he said to me, and some of, some of our African brothers and sisters will understand this. He said, are you doing anything New Year? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going out. I'm staying in a hotel, going away with my wife. No, 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 I mean something in the church. No, 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 we don't do anything on New Year. Why don't you do anything New Year? Africans love it. I said, well, great. Continue loving it. I said, why do you meet? Well, Africans like to start the New Year in church New Year's Eve. He said, Africans will go everywhere and anywhere. This is what he told me as an African pastor. They'll go anywhere and everywhere. So we get people coming from all over because Africans believe that we should start the new year in church. I said, your problem's not starting. Your problem is, are they still around in the middle of the year to continue what they started? Ah, ah, well, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. The issue's not starting, my friend. The issue is continuing. So people come to church, this is not everyone, this is, a, this is a general feeling. People want to be religious and start something. Hey, listen, the Western is no different, that's what he makes his resolution. He makes his resolution believing that his resolution is going to change his year for him. But by the end of January, mid-January if that, it's gone. So we can all stand at church praying, Lord, this is going to be the fantastic year, and then choices and decisions have to be made. The day of continuation has to come upon us. And by the time January's gone, just like the resolution, so is your good, your new year, prayer, intercession, it's gone. God isn't fooled by either. The day of continue is a very, very serious, real day. So when you say, Lord, I thank God, this is the day the Lord has made. You better ask yourself, what kind of day has he made for you? Yeah? What kind of day? So when trouble came, was it still the day the Lord made? But there is no rejoicing. Think of the scripture when you're getting religious. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Thank God this is the new day the Lord has made. And I will re and be. So why then, when it's a miserable day, it's harsh, welcome, there's no rejoicing, and how come there's no gladness in it? But it's still the day the Lord made. So you've got to ask yourself, what day is it? Every day is a different day. Some days there's going to be no rejoicing. Some day there's going to be no gladness. You can't only praise and rejoice God when it's a good day. Because you know what he'll say? You're inconsistent. You're inconsistent. So ask yourself, what day is it? What day is it today? Every time you get up and say, oh, thank the Lord for this day. He gave you this day to live. Didn't give you this live to mopes around, complain. Listen, every day is different. It comes with challenges. It comes with real emotions. It comes with hurts. It comes with disappointment. It comes with sadness. It comes with expectation. It comes with joy. It comes with gladness. You determine what kind of day you're in. Pharaoh will always want you to have a miserable day. 
And I love that song. You've heard me say it before when it says, I don't care what the weatherman said. The weatherman said it's raining. But you never see me come complaining. Well, if you've been in Manchester for the last three weeks, four weeks, all it's done is rain. The northwest is flooded. We've got a deluge of water. And there are some people who have not been able to break out a Christmas smile. Because they've been, their homes have been absolutely ravaged. And yet there's some people on TV cleaning the houses, still smiling. Community spirit is at a high. You determine what day it is. Your day can either determine what day it is or you can determine what day it is. So there's a day called beginning. There's a day called continuation. And there's a day called completion. The day called completion, David explained it to us in Acts chapter, I think it was Acts chapter 6. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but he said it in Acts. When David fulfilled the purposes of God, David went the way of the earth. In other words, he went home to be with his creator. There's a day called completion. Now, let me tell you what this day of completion, this is very, 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 very serious. Because the day of completion is significant. Why? Because it records. It highlights, it shows, it displays, it judges, and it rewards. Let me say that again. It records, it highlights. Can you imagine when you're before the Father, the Father will say, let's show me, I'll show you your life. Boom. It recorded every conversation you ever had. It recorded every uh, deed you ever did. It highlights what you did wrong. It highlights what you did right. It displays It rewards and it judges. True? All these things, all that, the clock is ticking, the cameras are recording, the ears are listening in heaven. So when that day comes, all that has been done in our time called continuation has been recorded and will now have to give an account. How many of you believe that? So the book of Philippians is telling us that there, in this day called beginning, there is a good work that has been begun. It's a good work. 2.16 is another opportunity for God to continue his work, not start it. But for others, it's an opportunity to let go, give in, and make the journey so he can start with this work. Some only gave their life but never continued. I sat with a pastor over the uh, Christmas holidays whose church has been going through a torrid time. A torrid time. And it came to me in my mind that the one thing his house did not have was the word. And you think, that sounds strange, that. See, there is a prophetic word that keeps the buoyancy The life of the spirit in the house. Do you remember when we talked to you some years ago about the harbour? Flooding the harbour. And it struck me after speaking with him that their harbour was completely lifeless. All the boats were on the side waiting for a tide to come in to lift them. But the trouble is when the tide does come in, they don't like it. They reject the water. That of, of the waters of life, and as a result, they cannot come to new life. 
And all they want is the mechanics. They like being a boat. They like sitting on the beach. They like looking at life from the side. And guess what? God will always give them what they always have always had, if that's their heart. So I says to my friend, there's been many, many changes going on. And now he's the one to bring change. So I'm sat there and I says to Carol, I said, why does God always use me? The mouth on roller skates has to speak. And there's a friend of mine, but he's always frightened when he speaks to me. Because he knows what I carry. His own confession in front of his own people is, was this. He believes what he's saying. Well, is there any other stance? And he said, I said to him, why do you continually resist what God says? I said, what are you frightened of? And this is what he said. I'm frightened of what it will create. So then the thought comes to me. So then what you're telling me is it's not his church, it's your church. Because if you can be the gateway to open the water or to close, prevent the water from coming into the harbor, then you, my friend, will soon be removed if you don't get in line. That's a frightening thought. And many of you are in the same position. There are things you hold back because you close the gate, because you're frightened of what God will do with your life if he truly is given control over it. And I'm the same. That's why I struggled with the school of prophets, allowing the school of prophets to come. Why? Because I was scared of what my peers would say in the, in the, in the city. Who does he think he is? And I had to fight my own internal conflict, just like you have to fight your own internal conflict. But this day of continuation must continue. It must continue because I don't want the day of completion coming soon upon me. I want to fulfill the purposes of God so that all that was planned and destined for me is lived. Amen? And you know, the moment, the two scary thoughts here, do you want two scary thoughts? The scary thought here is that God will give you what you want. That's a scary thought. Scary too is he can use me to do it. That's a scary thought to think that God will let us continue in a certain frame, on a certain path. He will allow us, if you want what you've always got and I want what I've always got and we fight to keep what we've always had, God will leave us to it. God will leave us to it. And you can turn around and say, well, God, no, that's not God. Yes, that is God. God says, it's my church, not yours. It's your clock that's ticking, not God's. So I pray that you never get the church you want. I pray you never get the church you want. And I pray I never get the church that I think I deserve. Because your church, your idea of church is not his. And what I always want, what I want is not his best. So if we can get that out of the way... When people say, I come looking for a church, as if they've got the right to come looking for their version of church. There's only one type of church. It's his. But we come looking, I like this church, I believe I should be here. Come on. You're looking for a building, you're looking for a people to be a part of, I understand that. 
But if when we're looking for a church, we, there's only one type of church. His. And I know there's a lot of expressions in that. <clears throat> but we must keep on partnering with this good work that has begun. This is the primary responsibility of everyone hearing my voice this morning. You must continue. You must continue. I said you must continue. The day called beginning has started, but now it's called the day of continuation. Can you see this, church? There must be a day of continuation. Every day I must continue. Every day I must put my best foot forward. Every day I must rise. Every, every day I must seek his best. Or we'll settle for what we've always had. And I know, I know, I know. Sometimes we feel, just give me what I've always had. That's called tradition. Many of you had the Christmas you've always had. True? Many of you continually ate the food you've always eaten on Christmas Day. Many of you received the same presents from the same people. Scary thought. Why? It's because it's called tradition. Now, in that in particular context, there's nothing wrong. If you have turkey every year, good on you. Stuff your face with it. Personally, not for me. If you have mince pies every year, fine. Stuff your face with them. Providing you're not overindulge. I had, a, I had one gluten-free mince pie this year. One. And it was as sweet as anything. But there's nothing wrong with tradition in its right context. Tradition must have context. The church is not traditional. We're meant to change. Bust up worldly traditions. So, being confident of this, I'm confident that, that this year I will partner greater and God will continue his faithfulness and partner with me and Carol and you as a house, to continue this good work that he started. How many of you believe that there's a good work going on inside of you? I'm not finished. No way am I finished. I'm not finished with you, and hopefully you're not finished with me. And we're not finished with him, and he's not finished with us. So we're all in partnership still. Amen? I know the door that opened and let me in is the same door that lets me out. But if I walk out, I've left partnership. Partnership's partnership. So the day of beginning must become the day of continuation so that you can fulfill and come to the day called completion. Don't die before your time. Amen? So there's beginning, continuation, and completion. So it's a good work. How many of you believe that? And the writer wants us to fix it into our minds and in our hearts that it's an ongoing, continuous work. Choices, decisions, process, learning, all that is continuous, will we'll constantly be going on. Now, the problem is, with many of us, or every one of us, I should say, we are consciously and unconsciously aware at times that we allow the bad things in life to destroy the good things. How many of you, how many of you found that? So often in life that we allow little things, bad things, seed of discord, seed of, of all kinds of things to eat up the good work that's be, that has been begun in us. <clears throat> it's always, God spoke to me. 
oh, a couple of weeks ago before Christmas, and this particular thought I was having, and I was brassed off. I'm cheesed off about something that's gone on. It's my own fault, but I was a victim of my own stupidity, and I'm brassed off about it. Right? And God said this. Do you know what God said to me? Very easy. You better catch that fox in your head, son, quickly. That was the word I heard straight away from heaven. You better catch that fox and catch it quickly. Because if that fox is allowed to run wild in your mind, it will destroy your vineyard. And God was warning me, don't let this fox go any further than he has to. Why? Because that fox has potentially got the power to destroy the good that's going on inside my life. Now, how many foxes are living in your head right now? Think about it. Who is winding you up right now? Don't say me. Who is chasing your tail? Yesterday, I'm coming up um, Ogden Lane. Some of you don't know where that is, but anyway. And a fox is on the side of the road. I mean, I know urban foxes are getting closer and closer and closer. But when you see one so close and he's waiting across the road and he's looking there like the dog, can I go now, can I go? Like I'm going to stop and let you go. But someone needs to catch that fox. Why? Because that fox is up to no good. That fox is looking for survival. That fox is looking for prey. Now, look on its own at the side of the pavement, you think it's a nice, lovely animal. But that animal has a nature. And that nature does not want to be petted. That nature will not let you stroke it. Though you want to cuddle and and kiss a fox, you can't. Why? Because he's vermin. Is it not? And it's destructive. That's how bad things eat the good away in your life. This year, you cannot let the bad continue eating the good. And I'm going to talk to you about this. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value whatsoever. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a great race, a fantastic race, a brilliant race. But who cut in on you or what did you allow to cut in on your race and keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. The fox is in everyone's life. Someone didn't do something that they promised you. Someone did something that you didn't like. Someone promised and didn't deliver. Your wife said something, your kids did this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and it's in your mind, and then you run the movie, and before you know it, you feel yourself getting angry. You feel the, the anger and the frustration, and in some cases, hatred. And then you run the movie, the private movie, the secret movie that no one gets to see of how, if, if the restraints were off, what you would do with them. And how many times does it end in murder? Come on. But guess what? Heaven recorded it. Because the Bible says, where do you commit adultery? In your heart. Before the action's concerned, or should I say, before the action's committed, you committed it in your heart. It was secret, it was private, but God revealed it. 
The fox is in the heart. The fox is in the mind. The fox is in the good. Why? Because he seeks to get from the bad to the good to destroy the good. So many of us didn't finish 215 strong because we allowed the fox in. To eat away, the Bible says, catch the little foxes. Catch them. Why? Because they're a nuisance. And 1 Peter 1, 23 says this, If you've been born again, sorry, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. The fox comes to eat your seed. The fox comes try to try and destroy the seed, but the seed is imperishable, but you're not. Hello? The seed is imperishable. You, can, you can't destroy the seed. So what do you do? You destroy the one who carries it. Does that make sense? Because the seed is heavenly. It's supernatural. It cannot be killed. Demons couldn't kill it. Man couldn't kill it. The seed is spiritual. That's been imparted into you. That's what, that's what qualifies you for an ongoing work. The seed of heaven. Amen? It's a righteous seed. But all hell will come against you to try and kill you. So that if it kills you, the seed does not produce fruit or a harvest. It will try and remove you so that you don't remain in the vine. That's the nature of the fox. The seed is not, the seed is indestructible. Hello? But you're not. Flesh and blood can be hurt. Emotions can be destroyed. Your spirit can be wounded. Your soul can be fractured. Hello? And here, Paul's telling the Galatians, boys, you're chasing the wrong thing. You are getting so caught up on circumcision that you are following the traditions of the law. The law cannot keep the standard. The law cannot cause the seed to grow. Hello? The law, why are you letting the bad aspect of the law in the sense of tradition. Now, it wasn't bad at the time, but now grace has come and Christ has come. The law has been fulfilled through Christ. So why let tradition, which is bad in that sense, why let that undo the good? Why let it keep attacking the good? Why are you insisting that all the brothers need to be circumcised? When circumcision is of the heart, not of the flesh. So Paul says to Timothy, circumcised, but to Silas, he says no. Why? Because I'm not feeding these guys. We're not peddling that kind of religion. We're not peddling that kind of tradition. But I want you to know, there's a fox in every form of religion. There is a fox in every type of tradition. People fight change. Why? Because they love tradition. It's amazing. You change something in church and people respond and react. Why? Because they like tradition. They like sameness. They like predictability. And they want God to move within that sphere. But every now and then God says, let's just move the whole thing. Let's tip it upside down. Let's show you how religious you really are. And let's really let the Spirit of God 
Touch, and then how many, how many of us know that those who lead that kind of move always come under attack by those who don't want the move? And the sad thing is this, is that some of the greatest moves in our time who God used later on when it comes to another generation rising up, it's that other generation that now attack them. Sad. Why? Because the fox is in every generation. The fox is in every year. That fox is an ancient devil. He's been around a long time. So Peter speaks to us about this imperishable seed. This, this indestructible life that we can live. But, and he's also warning us, guys. Paul's warning us, do not let the bad eat away the good. Because the good and the bad live side by side. And this year, there's going to be good and bad in your vineyard. And you cannot allow the bad to eat the good. But you must allow the good to love the bad. The bad doesn't like love. It doesn't like celebration. It doesn't like rejoicing. It doesn't like blessing. So now you've discovered what fertilizer it doesn't like. Put it on it. Feed it every day. Which is a choice of your human will and your spiritual will. Bring them both together and say, today, badness, I'm going to bless you. That's why he said, bless those who persecute you. That's badness. Bless it. Put the fertilizer on it. Because demonic spirits only live in dry places. Come on. Demonic spirits love to go to arid places, dry. So there's nothing like a bad day to sap the joy of the Lord, and make you dry. <laughs> like I say, though this seed is imperishable, it does come under an immense attack. How's that attack done? By your own flesh and blood. Your own flesh and blood has desires, thoughts, habits, and behavior. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed your habits? Have you noticed your thoughts? Have you noticed your behavior? Are you sure? Others have as well. Others notice your bad habits, your behaviors. Your husband, your wife, your friends, your family, your kids. Your flesh is the vehicle for carrying this seed. Why do you think all hell came against Mary? If I destroy Mary's life, I kill the seed. But I don't even know the seed could never be killed. But everything came against Mary's flesh and blood. All the wild foxes... In the world, even Joseph was, one, was once a fox because he couldn't believe, quite rightly, understandably, that a, human, that a woman can be pregnant without sex. Now, today we know that is possible through science. But Joseph, we didn't have IVF. We didn't have other forms of, of uh, technology. So Joseph went, let's, let's do some maths here. One and one equals two. But when one's only been on one, how do we get two? So the angel of the Lord has to speak to him. Why? So that the fox wouldn't destroy their marriage. Can you imagine getting through all that? The baby's born. The manger. All that kind of stuff. They've gone through all that. And as they're walking away after the baby's been born, Joseph looks to Mary and says, you know what, honey? We almost didn't make it. We almost didn't make it. Why? My unbelief. 
my unbelief almost caused me to leave you and abandon you. But thank God, God spoke to me. Thank God we got that fox out of our relationship. Honey, we didn't, we almost didn't make it. How many marriages are going to be like that? But thank God, sanity comes in. You arrest the fox and get it out of the system. And then the marriage can continue. Mary and Joseph had other children after that. So the, the fox was out the vineyard. But there was a time when Joseph didn't see it. And that's okay for the period of time. But when you do see it, you've got to arrest it. Seed causes things to grow. How many of you know that? Seed causes things to grow. But it's the management of your soil that causes seed to either grow or die. Let me say that again. Seed carries, causes things to grow, but it's the management of your soil that then causes things to either grow or things to die. You know, Mark chapter 4, you don't need to turn to it. It's the parable of the sower. And he talks about different types of ground. And he, first of all, he talks about the wayside. These are different environments and emotions that we often feel. It's an incorruptible word. As the incorruptible word is seed is sown, it quickly falls to the ground. In other words, there's a word that comes to you, just like now. And right now, you're all happy. You're all giddy. You sat there writing notes, or you sat there thinking it'll be over soon. And I can go and eat panini, drink coffee. When the word comes, it quickly falls to the ground. Why did it fall to the ground? Because there's no management of self. So you're a great hero. I commend you. But you never produced now. Why? Because you're only built for hearing. Now, let's, just, let's go a little bit deeper. Because it's since the first year. Might as well offend you all in one go. Don't be convinced by someone writing notes. Notes only speak... When you read them. You know, I've got a bag full of notes. And I've never gone into my office and heard that little knock from inside my bag going, Get me out! Get me out! Never heard a notebook speak to me. Never heard a notebook crying to me in the middle of the night. Why? Because notes don't speak. Notes only reveal what you recorded and what you captured. Oh. Notes only speak what you heard and what you captured. If you can't capture, then they can't speak. So it's not how well you can write. It's how well you can respond to what you're hearing, capture it down, and then go back and keep reading it, feed on that, and it will continue to speak. All the notes I take down in, uh, when I go to Malaysia, I use them all through the year. To speak to me. I pray them through. I keep talking. I keep reading them. Every time I read them, something new comes out. Why? Because I don't, only a fool will go to Malaysia to hear someone to come back and never do anything with it. Believe me, the last thing I need to do is get on the plane and go back to Malaysia. I hate the journey, but I love the trip. Then there is Stony. The seed comes to you again. It's sown. And boop, 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 because it has no depth. It easily gets trampled. easily gets destroyed. It has no depth. The sun scorches it. 
the problems of life, the worries of life, quickly begin to destroy the seed in you. So someone gets born again, they come into the day of beginnings, but how many of you know, they've still got habits that need to be addressed. They've still got a life that needs to be changed. And some of them, some people can't trust God for this new life. So So the seed easily gets trampled. Easily gets trampled. Even today, after you receiving this word, the seed will get trampled in some. But thank God with technology, if you captured something or you bought, you know, listen to this on the podcast, you can go back and listen again. But sometimes what was revealed to you in one line is never, it's gone. It's gone. One thing you heard, two, two things, God spoke. This is why you must learn to capture what God's saying. What I can't understand with Christians, and I've been one myself, but why we listen to the word on a Sunday and then we go, we stick with that every day with Jesus. Let me give you a secret. I do every day with Jesus, but not in the book. If the word that's coming to us is for us as a house, why don't we stick with the word that's coming from the house? I labor all week to give you food. Why would you then go to McDonald's? Or Pizza Hut? Or Kentucky Fried Gospel? Why would you go to those places when there's a word to keep us in the spirit and on track? That doesn't mean to say you can't read or listen to anything else what other people say, but stick with something. We all read and and things like that. It's great reading. It's not wrong to read. It's not wrong to listen to other people. But it's, it's, it's important we know our primary, our primary table. Then there's the thorny ground. So we've gone with the wayside. We've gone with the stony ground. And we have the thorny ground. It's not... The thorny ground is where you never allow God to prune you. You know when you touch some people, they're more prickly than they are lovable. Hello? Is anybody near like that? You're more prickly than you are lovable. You're lovable from a distance. But when you go to hug them, it's like hugging a conquer. (laughs) Why? Because they will not allow God to work on them. Or this is what they say. Me and God will sort me out. So they, so they ignore the body of Christ. They ignore pastoral, pastoral counseling. I tell you what, I always say to them, it looks like you and God are doing a great job together. If I can't come up to you and love you, and you can't come up to me and love me, then God, you and God's not working it together. One of you two is failing. And I know which one it is. Do you know one of the best ways to break unforgiveness? Do you know what it is? Rocket science says, forgive. The best way to get to like people you don't like is bang on, give them a hug. Doing something which is opposite to what you're feeling. Bad medicine takes away, bad tasting medicine takes away bad sickness. But kids say, no, it's got to taste good. But I don't know if you know, good tasting medicine never does anything good. It's always the bad stuff, the bad tasting stuff that does the best. Yeah? 
Absolutely. I'm sorry, we can't keep giving you Kavana cough medicine because it tastes nice. It's got an element of licorice in it or whatever your flavor is. But you know, some of that ugly stuff, one, one dose of that and you're cured. You don't want another dose, exactly. And you see, thorny ground will cause the, cho- to, the, 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 the seed within you to choke. And it kills that which is alive. And the last, la- the last kind of ground is called good. So we've had wayside, we've had environment, sorry, we've had wayside, stony, thorny, and good. And that seed, that ground, I should say, produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. It produces. Why? Because it's got all the environments to succeed, to grow. The only environment I can't create for you is your workplace and your home life. We can create a spiritual environment for you to grow and excel, but we can't live your life for you, plus we don't want to. That's your responsibility. So the moral of the parable is this, is there's good seed within you, but it's always the bad things that try and eat up the good. But that can be challenged and changed by good soil management. Yeah? You know, many of you... Change tax. Many years ago, someone used to come to the church, many of you might remember him, by Dennis McCarthy. Dennis, his mother, Edith, she prayed and prayed and prayed for her daughter and her son to get saved. And Dennis used to run a bus company. Surprisingly, it was called Dennis's. But that wasn't his name, it was his sister's name. She used to have the bus company called Dennis's. And he used to run a bus. And David would know all about this because David was in the same industry, albeit from a different type, a different angle, weren't you, David? You're in the data collecting. And Dennis, his mother had prayed him into the kingdom. He got saved. But Dennis was a resistor. Constantly, constantly. Dennis would resist the things of the spirit. I remember Dennis sat on the back row. One Sunday morning. And Dennis was a big unit. And not, I don't mean as in fat. He's just a big guy. With some extra pounds. And Dennis, in the middle of the service, kept falling off the back seat. And at first of all, we thought, is he having a heart attack? And the Spirit of God kept hitting him. And as it kept hitting him, he kept falling off his chair. And at the end of the service, he kind of concluded, the Holy Ghost is touching me. So he acknowledges the Holy Ghost is touching him. But what happens is, later on, he begins to fight the very good thing that was entering inside of him. It's like so many of us have. And Dennis then starts having problems with his buses. And David will tell you there was other operators who were operating on that route. And they were trying to, in Dennis's mind, they were trying to force him out. And this caused a lot of tension within Dennis. And David, who worked in the data collecting, kept saying, you're not, this is not how it appears. This is not right. Is that right, David? David saw a different side of it and kept trying to encourage him to let go. Find another way to solve this problem. Find another way. And this, this came back to my mind over the Christmas holidays. 
as I was preparing this, Dennis came to my mind. And I'm using Dennis as, as, as a, an example because it's so powerful how the good can get destroyed by the bad. And Dennis constantly was fighting this battle to keep his buses on the road. Now, how many of you know that's not a bad thing to keep your business alive? But how many of you know that when injustice takes, when, when it appears like injustice is over your life, there's only one person who can fight injustice. That's God. Because the alternative to, uh, to, to justice is revenge. And when revenge comes into the human heart, it's a fox. It wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and it wants to get even, but not only even, it wants to get back. And we kept saying to Dennis, Dennis, let it go. 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 Even in care group, David will be talking to him, Dennis, let it go. And every time we kept seeing Dennis, he was fighting another lawsuit. Until eventually, Dennis was no longer on the scene, spiritually or business-wise. And this whole thing consumed his life and began to eat away on the inside and eventually destroyed the life of God that was inside of him. Two years ago, I meet Dennis in a shopping mall. Just surprisingly, just turned around and there we were looking at each other. And I said to him, hi, long time no see. How are you doing? And this is what he explained to me. Oh, it's great now. I'm in a one-bedroom flat and I've got my big TV. And I thought to my, I almost choked on the fact that he could say it and didn't realize what he was truly saying. Dennis, you had the good. You had a life with God. Your mother prayed you into the kingdom. No, we all know. Well, not we all. Most of us who remember Edith know that she was an evangelist. She just kept on and on and on and on and on and on, helping you to keep a son on the track. But Dennis began to fight another way. And as he fought another way, the fox got in and it completely destroyed all that was good within his life. Some of you know what that feels like. Different story, different faces, different situation. But you know what it's like for something to feel a sense of injustice or to feel that someone's been treating you wrong. I'm going to try and get even and call it justice. And there was only one outcome. The moment a heart is open to that kind of seduction, there's only one outcome. And some of you may remember this. Can you guess which song this is from? Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care. When they're going to, what are they going to say? Let the storm rage on and here's the line. And the cold never bothered me anyway. Let it go, let it go. You know the song, don't you? And the last line, he says, I'm the one with the wind in the sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry. Here I stand and here I'll stay. Let the storm rage on. 
The cold never bothered me anyway. Now she's so frozen, so hard on the inside, that she is locked into this frustration, inner fear. Why is she feared? Because she's got this magic power that can turn places into snow or ice. She's got a sister who wants to play with her, but she can't play with her because she banged her at her sister's head and it made her angry and she froze the whole kingdom. And now her sister wants to pursue her and tell her and show her that she loves, but this girl is so bound up with fear on the inside over one event, she let the good that was in her be eaten up by the bad. And that's Frozen. That's the story of Frozen right there. And then there's other characters who come in and are all in the pursuit. And there's always other characters fighting for you. There's always other characters fighting for you. I still believe a Dennis can walk back through the door. I still believe a Dennis can walk back through the door. Why? Because there's always got to be characters in the story who will fight for you. I said there's always going to be characters in the story who will fight with you. Even though you made a mistake, there has to be characters in this house who can fight for the ones who got frozen. And it's easy for Dennis to stand up there and say, well, the cold never bothered me anyway. No, it did. It destroyed you. But it's amazing when little Anna turns up, that's the other princess, and she shows Elsa some love. Frozen can be thawed. And all it takes is some love to go and capture the fox, get it out there, reverse the bad things that's going on so that we can keep the work continuous and in labor in the day called beginning. How many of you know that these, this year we can see the backslidden come back? How many of you know we can see the frozen be thawed? But let's start in here first. Let's start... So let's start by thawing out the, thro- the frozen, the chosen, or the chosen frozen, or the frozen chosen. I'm not sure. She's trapped in a kingdom of an eternal winter. She's created an eternal winter in her own kingdom. How many of us have done that because of the fox got in? We created a frozen environment inside here. Our hearts are so hard and so frozen that love can't penetrate us. We're frightened. We're frightened that if we let go and thaw out, we're going to be a different character. Absolutely. Love changes everything. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You're not frozen. You're chosen. You may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You were never made to be frozen. Cryogenics is not over your life. We're not freezing you out and hopefully when they, when they find out a cure for your disease, we have a cure. It's called forgiveness. It's called letting go. She sang it so well, let it go. Let it go. She encouraged us to keep... What's the message of the song? Let it go. That song does our heads in. But it's let it go. You're frozen on the inside. Your heart's cold. The Bible says you're neither hot nor cold. 
Let me just quickly read you from Esther. Esther chapter 6. And this we're, we are closing. I promise. I believe this will really help you to see and enforce what I'm saying. Get, get ready to read now. Esther chapter 6 verse 2. Bethania and Teresh, two of the king's of officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes, what honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. So he's thwarted an attempt to kill the king. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the, of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had erected for him. So there's an evil guy on the scene. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered the king, sorry, when Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man who delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, well, who is there? that the king would rather honor than me. Think of the arrogance of this guy. Who is there in the whole kingdom that the king would rather honor than me? Okay, well, we're going to answer that. So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have him bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on his head. Let the robe and the horse be entrusted to the one of the king's most notable princes. Let them them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on his horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what he's done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded, amen. Get the robe and the horse and do as you've just suggested, who for? Mordecai. Oh, Lord. So he's, he's used his own mouth to trap him. He wants to kill Mordecai, but doesn't know that the Lord, uh, God is about to honor Mordecai through the king. So he's giving Mordecai a rope to hang himself. If the king was going to bless, who would you bless? Well, I think he's going to bless me. So let's think of a good way for the king to bless. Yes? So go and put him on, choose a horse, put a robe, let him ride through the streets. And then as you are riding through the streets, we want you, Haman, to proclaim, this is what the king does when he blesses a man. Hello? Now, how many of you know Haman's frozen? He's frozen. Now, let me show you why he was frozen. Go to Esther 5. Verse 9, Haman went out that happy day in high spirits. So the day, the day that Haman woke up was called a happy day. He was in what kind of spirits? High spirits. And he's had no drink. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he never rose nor showered face in his, uh, fear in his presence, showed, sorry, showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. So here he is, walking on his horse through the streets, and everyone's bowing down and worshipping and hailing Haman as this great guy. But one guy refuses. Mordecai stands up and says, I'm going to bow to no man. 
because God is the one I will bow to. And Haman sees Mordecai and despised him and allowed the bad to eat up any good that was in him. All because of one person. Now, why did Haman become so fixed with one guy? One guy. One guy consumed everything that was taking place within him. How many people in your work, your street, that you're surrounded with, but how often is it just one thing that gets your attention? One thing that takes your attention. Now, he didn't bow, and as a result of that, Haman eventually goes too far, and the king hangs him. And as a result of, as a result of Mordecai not bowing, a whole nation is saved. Now, who's heard of the feast called Purim? Do you know the Feast of Purim is the only feast that the Israelites celebrate for what God didn't do? What do I mean by that? God did not allow the Jews to be killed because of Mordecai and because of Esther. Yeah? But very often, we only want to praise God for what he does. But when was the last time you can pray and bless God for what he didn't do and he didn't allow to happen? See, so often we let the bad eat up the good. Oh, it might have been. And, and, and let's face it, everyone has got reasons as to why that is real in their life. True? It can be, I lost my job. The boss didn't put a good word in for me. When Joseph was in the prison, when Joseph was in the prison, Joseph was in prison for many, many reasons. His first one was, is because he shared his heart with his brothers. And he shared his picture of the dream that God showed him. Sharing your dreams with people sometimes brings you under persecution. And their behavior towards you then begins to unseat you and eats away at the good within you. Then Joseph was put into prison because he was falsely accused of sexuality. With Potiphar's wife, adultery. So this boy's having a bad day. His dreams have been dashed. He's now been falsely accused that Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and she blames it on him. And in the prison, he's got a butler and he's got a cupbearer. And he says to him, Guys, when you get out, and he tells him by the Spirit of the Lord what's going to happen to him. When you get out, have a word for me before the king. But when they get out, how many of you know they don't behave like he thought they would? which could create more tension and more frustration. And all this time, Joseph potentially could have allowed the good or the bad to eat away at the good. He's got prophetic destiny. Hello? He's got destiny. Then what happens is, long story, his brothers all come to him, don't they? Now, when his brothers bow down before him, what's going to manifest? What do you think should manifest in the life of Joseph? Do you think now revenge? Do you think personal vendettas 
should now rise up. Because Joseph, it says in one translation, Joseph remembered the dream. And when he remembered the dream, focus came back and his behavior towards his brothers was not anger, frustration. It wasn't uh, vindication. It wasn't any kind, I'm going to throw you all in the prison. He had the power to do it. But what did he do? He blessed them. Why? Because Joseph refused to allow the bad to enter in and eat up the good. Joseph re refused to t live another year with that kind of stuff they put on him. Church, you must decide this year to lead things in 215. You must decide this year that all the frustrations, the anger, the hurt, the pain, someone died, someone left me, someone walked away, I haven't got that promotion, I didn't get what I was entitled to. You must, you must determine right now to leave it in 215. And take what into, you take into 216, the day of continuation. What was begun must now be continued. If you continue with what you, what, what you should be dumping in 215, guess what? You'll produce in 216 what you produce in 215. Fear, anger, frustration, bitterness, unforgiveness, leave it in 215. Well, it's easy for you to say that, Pastor. No, it isn't. Because we're all human. We all have those struggles. But at some point, you have to let go and take the new song. Some of you may not have heard of it called Let It Go. Let It Go. Right? And some of you may need to ask God to unfreeze me. And as you let it go, be surprised how quickly you thaw out. Let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. The day of continuation must continue. That's why it's called the day of continuation. But it will continue for some, but not for everyone. Not because it can't, because people won't let go. People won't give in, and people won't allow God to, to do his work at his time. If Dennis would have let God take control and fight for his business, he may have still lost his business. But he would have been one. He would have been one. It wasn't about getting his business back. It was about him. The seed was destroyed in him. He lost the greatest prize he had because he wouldn't let go. And whenever I won't let go of anything and fight for something in the flesh and go against God, I always lose. I never win. My joy's gone. Blessing's gone. Peace has gone. Church, you may not have anything what comes to mind right now. And then all of a sudden, in the next week or so, something will come up. You'll go, go, let it go. Let it go. Right now. Some situation's gone in my life, just like there is in your life. i just got to say, let it go. Why? Because I already heard the word of the Lord from me a couple of weeks ago. Catch that fox. Get hold of that fox, son, and get hold of it quick. Because if not, it's going to mess you. And you know what? I played with it. I thought I'd catch it, and then I'd allow myself to go thinking. And you're only thinking again. You open the door and call it and whistle to it, and it comes back. And then you try and pat it again, and all it does is bite you. And then you kick it out again, and the poor fox is saying, you, only, you just let me in. And then you get it out again, and then the next day, or the next hour, you open it up again and let it in, and that fox is in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. The only thing you can do with a fox is catch it, 
set fire to its tail. That's what happened in the Old Testament. Yeah? I won't mind. Setting fire is the easy part. Catching the sucker is the hard part. So right now, lift up your hands, if you will, to the Lord. I want you to bring your fox. He's a wily character. He's a schemer. He's a supplanter. He's a destroyer. He's a seeker. Oh yeah, he seeks you. He seeks you out. And I want you, if you will, before the Lord to say, Lord, remind me of the fox. Show me where the fox needs catching. Show me where he needs to stay in 2.15. He's not coming across into 2.16. I'm not taking him on the journey with me. The fox will always want to be fed every day. Every day, the fox wants to be fed. And so many of you have known and you've caused, you've created this fox and it's, it's become a pet. But it's a pet that you can't live without. So you're addicted to the fox and the fox speaks to you every day and justifies why you should can stay frozen. And people can't get into your world. People can't get into your kingdom because you froze. You freeze everything in it. And there's people who love you on the outside who want to come and rescue you. Just like Anna did. The crowd are fighting for you. Let go, let it go, let it go. Walk away from it. It's never brought you any joy. It's never brought you any peace. But something inside you says, no, I'm better with the fox than I am without it. And that's the voice of the enemy. That's the lie from the pit. Whenever the enemy speaks, he speaks lies. And you think the fox is your friend. And you've learned to become comfortable around the voice of the fox. And you have the voice of the shepherd. And the voice of the shepherd is causing, calling you, leave the fox. The fox only ever does one thing to sheep. He destroys them. Follow me, he says. Listen to my voice. Don't listen to the voice of the fox. You must learn to let go. Get it out of your system. Let go. Do not feed this fox any longer than you have. Kill the fox today. Acknowledge the fox in your heart. Confess it before the Father. And with a appeal from heaven, let it go. Let it go. If the cold doesn't bother you anymore, it's because you become so acclimatized to it. can be your justification of how far you should go. Well, I'm only going to give the Lord this much in my life. I've got this, I've got that, I've got this, and I've got that. And you've justified in your mind how far you'll go. That's a fox. The reason why I can't do this, the reason why I can't do that, see, that's the fox. Because every time the fox is telling you why you can't, it can't be done, why you can't do this, why you can't move. You remain frozen in that area. But the Holy Ghost is speaking to you this morning and saying, look, I didn't create you to be frozen. I created you to have life. There are people on the outside fighting for you. Fighting for you. Characters fighting for you in the spirit. I've been praying for you a long time. This is the time to let go, give in. This is the time to be unfrozen. This is the time. For the kingdom inside of you to come to life. To return back 
to build the very thing that it was always created. It's a time to let the seed rise. It's a time to let the seed flourish. It's a time for the seed to produce within you. Let it go. Let it go. Don't let the storm rage on anymore. Oh, Father. Right now, oh God. Right across this room. See, right now, some are even frozen in their heart towards this message. And the Father says, I'm not going to come in and bust it open because the cry has to come from the inside. The cry has to come from the inside. I respond to the cry on the inside. I don't respond to what's going on on the outside. It's the cry on the inside that, that really brings me into your life. Because when the cry comes, it's you opening the door to let me in. Open the door, let me in. Let it go. Let it go, says the, the song. Why be so afraid? Why be so afraid to let go? If you could only see what your fear creates, if you could only see what your fear has limited you in, if you could only see, says the Lord, from, from my perspective, if you could see what the enemy has placed upon your life, the limitations, the containment, just so you can feel free. But you're trapped. You're limited. You're contained. You can't produce in that state. I created you for much more than this. Partner with me. For I'm the one who, who began that good work within you. I'm the one who was committed to seeing that, that work be fulfilled, brought to the day called completion. But right now, don't thwart the plans of God over your life. Don't thwart the destiny of God over your life. Become frozen in your emotions, unfrozen in your emotions. Become unfrozen in your choices and decisions. Become unfrozen. Don't be killed. Don't be contained for momentary satisfaction. Don't become an untouchable. Father, this morning, I ask you, O oh God, sovereignly, to move upon your people, O oh God. Break us free, O oh God. Break us free. Come on, church, just stay in this sober mood. Put yourself on the altar. You know, the altar has fire. The altar is a place where you sacrifice yourself. 
Put yourself on the altar this morning. Consecrate yourself afresh to the Lord. Bring yourself before the altar of God's fire this morning. And let him thaw you out. Let him bring you back to purpose. Back to usefulness. If not you, pray for someone else. Pray pray for Dennis right now. Let's pray for Dennis and his family right now. Why can't we believe that God can unfreeze him? Hello? Why can't we uh, believe that God will unfreeze Dennis? Bring him back so that God can continue and bring to completion what he started in his life. But you must put yourself on the altar. Kura sabarianda. Father, right now I pray for Dennis and his family. Oh my God, I pray, oh God, unfreeze him right now. Unfreeze him. Unfreeze his wife. Unfreeze his family, oh God. Father, complete the work that you began in his life. Oh Father, right now I pray, oh God, as you bring him before us this morning. Lord, we bring him before you. And Father, we ask, oh God, do a sovereign work in Dennis's life. Let him let this year be a year, oh God, when he stands behind this pulpit and brings a testimony how God supernaturally came to him in his flat watching his TV and showed him that this is was not what I should have settled for. Oh Father, right now. For others, oh God, who have once walked and who have heard this word, but have allowed their hearts to become frozen. Father, right now, right now, oh God, sovereignly move by your spirit. Move by your spirit, Lord. Move, unfreeze these people, oh God, right now in the spirit. Oh, mighty God. Sovereignly, oh God, move by your spirit. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, for those who are cold in heart, oh God, even in this room, Lord, for those who are not here this morning, wherever they are, Lord, but part of this house, Lord, I pray, Lord, the fires of the altar. The fires of the altar, oh God, will burn, purify, cleanse, (coughs) thaw out, defrost. It may be that you want to come and just kneel down here this morning at the altar. Do that. The altar's open. If that's what you feel your life's at, do that. I'm not going to lay hands on anyone. The cry's got to come from the inside. Two fifteen's gone. I'm not continuing it. Two sixteen's the year for me. One day at a time. I'll walk with a continuous God. I'll walk and work with a continuous God so that all that has been planned for my life can be brought to the day called completion. Come on, the altar's open. Make your way. Let the Holy Ghost move on you this morning. Thaw you out. (coughs) Cause that seed to regerminate again and begin to burn fresh in your heart the year 
of continuation. You're going to be a chosen arrow this year. You're going to have to be a seed of continuation. You're going to function as a seed, as a, an arrow, a chosen arrow. Then you need to move into the day called continuation. Come on, church. When the altar of God is open, God can do a work. The altar is your heart. The altar is your heart, my friend. It's not the place specifically. It's the heart. The heart is what sacrifices. Open your mouth. Begin to confess. Tell the Lord where you are. What needs to change. Let your mouth, let your words come from the inside. And you'll quickly, instantly begin to see your life thaw out quickly. Words change things. Don't remain passive. Don't remain disattached. Don't remain disconnected. That's frozen. Partner, labor, work, co-labor. Get alongside those who are working in the things of the Spirit. Partner with those people. Holy Spirit, cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our hearts this morning, Lord. Cleanse our hearts. The ground has become hard. The ground has become frozen, but not now. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold on to it anymore. The altar of God is open. Cry unto the living God this morning. Cry unto the living God. Ask him for a new heart. A heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Ask him for a heart of flesh. That's what he said to Israel. He said, I'll give you the heart of flesh. I'll take away the heart of stone, Israel. I'll give you the heart of flesh. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you a new heart. That's what we need. The word this morning is a word that's going to create life in your harbor. It's going to turn your vessel back upright where it should be rather than be on its side. Let the word flood your harbor this morning. I said, let the word flood your harbor this morning. Let it come into your harbor. Your heart is the harbor. Let it come in and lift you back to buoyancy, life, buoyancy in the spirit. This is what the word does. It comes in like a mighty flood, bringing life to all that's around it. All those sea creatures, I cannot get off the beach until the tide comes in. They wait. But God says, don't wait. Don't wait. Get up. You're not a sea creature. I gave you a voice. I gave you you ability. Rise. Your voice is what brings the waters into your harbor. Your voice on the inside. Listen, even when, the, even when the ice forms on the top of water, the whole lake's not frozen under the surface. Life is still going on deep inside under that water. Let that life burst through. Let it come to the top. Let it burst through. 
Come on, no magic prayer is going to fix this. No magic prayer of mine, I should say. It's got to come from yours, your heart. Breakthrough on the inside. I'm laboring, I'm laboring this morning deliberately to break you through. Because I can see this apathy. You're not quite sure. That's why I can't pray for you. Because it'll all be dependent upon what I do and don't do for you. But it must come from the inside. The cry must come from the inside. I haven't got the freedom this morning, the spirit, to go and pray for you. you but you've got all the liberty in the world to pray for you. Holy Ghost, we thank you for the work that you've done this morning. We thank you for what you've done in our lives, for these lives here at the altar. Lord, let it go. Let it go right now. Let it go. Let it go. Fruit, production this year. Father, right now, production this year. Break every limitation, every containment. You're unfrozen on the inside. The Lord says he's letting you go. He's heard the cry on the inside. You can expect the thawing out process. Don't settle. The moment you settle, you freeze up again. The moment you keep pumping and cries constantly heard, constantly the heating is on. The altar's set up. The fire is burned. Oh, Father. You know, this morning when we came to pray, the room that we came to pray was cold because someone had messed around with a clock. Once I sussed out what was wrong, I just override, override the clock. Instantly the heat came on. But we moved to a warmer part of the building. But you know what? That cold building would never stop me praying if I had to. Why? Because inside me is a thermostat. I carry my own thermostat. That's how you must be. The outside, the environment you're in may be cold, but you can't be on the inside. Amen? You must hit the override switch. I said you must hit the override switch. Because outside is a cold environment. But it's the environment, you must learn to live by the life of the Spirit on the inside. That's the environment. Amen? Well, the Lord bless you all. Please, please leave, live by the Word. Not by your thoughts or opinions, but live by the Word. Take this Word to heart. Every time you hear that Word, every time you hear that song now, let it go. Gonna remind me. I want you to ask yourself, am I frozen? That I don't need to say let it go, do I?